In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. With deep desire have I desired to come to you, to sit with you at heaven's marriage feast. I am racing by a different way to you, like a sapphire cloud that races across the clearest sky. So sings St. Hildegard of today's saint. And the music composed in her honor, which so beautifully echoes tonight, from our choir loft, St. Hildegard paints a picture of the race St. Ursula ran to obtain her heart's desire, to fully possess the one who possessed her heart. As the legend that surrounds the saint show, it was the Lord himself who had a claim on her heart, and this was a claim no other could take. Now in referring to legends, it is in a, the sense derived from the Latin, lego, which, comply, which implies a collection of histories in one story. In the book of prayer of the Ursuline sisters, the order that bears her name, we read that despite all differing details, all the stories of St. Ursula agree that she was of royal birth, a princess living in Britain who had committed her virginity to Christ desiring no earthly spouse, but only to be wed to the Lamb of God. She fled Britain by a ship in order to avoid either marriage, persecutions, or both by outside pagan forces. She fled traveling with a large group of companions, virgins like herself. She went first to Rome and then through Germany by ship along the Rhine River. When she passed through, what is now Cologne, she and her companions were met with a group of barbarians led by a king. And this is where her faith and her vow of virginity was tested. One of these accounts of St. Ursula's life tells us that upon entering this territory, the king desiring her beauty gave her a choice to marry him and become queen or to die a bloody death. She was silent at first, and mistaking her silence as consent, the barbarians began to hail her as their queen. This was her test. From that moment, she was tempted with the thought that she could use her queenship to try and spread Christianity in that land, and she could save the lives of those she traveled with as well. But overcoming this temptation, she raised her eyes and defiantly said to the pagan king, Your offers of worldly advancement I despise. Your salutation I spurn. You are right in supposing that I should join myself only to a king. Know then that I am, on, I am already betrothed to a king, to the eternal king of kings, before whom the mightiest sovereigns of the earth are but dust and in whose presence the very angels veil their faces. It is he to whom I have given my vows. He is now awaiting with outstretched arms to receive me unto himself. And should I refuse to obey the summons which calls me to my nuptials? No. Were I assured by that renouncing my faith, the power and wealth of all the kingdoms of the earth would be mine. I would reject them as I do your offer now. The introit of tonight's Mass 
speaks of Ursula's response to the king. I spoke of thy testimonies before kings, and I was not ashamed. Maddened by her response, he ordered her companions to be tortured and killed in a short time, and none but Ursula remained. The king exclaims, Such shall be your fate. For the last time I ask you, what shall you choose? On one hand, a painful death. On the other, a life of happiness. He made one more advance towards her to be his bride. Refusing him once more, she said, with her eyes turned towards heaven, I see a glorious throne prepared for me. Thousands of celestial voices are calling me, and the bridegroom himself beckons me towards him. At this, the arrow was fitted to the string, and the king gave the command. Ursula was standing with her arms outstretched, her face directed towards heaven, as if eager to enjoy its rest. The arrow pierced her heart, and her soul was released from its earthly dwelling. Winged in its glorious flight, to be forever with him whom she delighted to serve on earth. At this, deadly fear fell upon the king and his soldier, because at the moment of her death, sweet strains of music were heard, a sweet perfume was smelled, and a cloud of dazzling brightness shone upon the spot where she and her companions lay. God willed that her exterior martyrdom mirror her interior spousal to Christ. As we learn from the mystical tradition and the experience of multiple saints, particularly St. Teresa of Avila, the image of the arrow through the heart is an image of the mystical marriage and the wound of love. Ursula died defending her faith and in particular her virginity. In the epistle to the Ephesians, St. Paul describes how the marriage between a man and a woman points to the mystical marriage, but that the marriage of consecrated virgins surpassed this marriage since it's already oriented in this life to the eschatological reality that at the end of our lives, all earthly marriages will cease as we hear in the wedding vows, till death do us part. And each one of us in heaven will be only a spouse to Christ, whether married on earth or not. Our Lord himself instructs us in this when responding to the question, who will the woman who had seven husbands be married to at the resurrection? In which he responds, at the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. And so at the resurrection, there is no marriage, which means that those consecrated to Christ now emulate the purity of angels. As St. Ambrose tells us, let us not then be surprised if they are compared to the angels who are joined to the Lord of angels. Who then can deny that this mode of life has its source in heaven, which, which we don't easily find on earth. Heaven is the home of virginity, and the Son of God is its author. Christ was born before the Virgin. Christ was of the Virgin. 
For this reason, the Council of Trent places the state of virginity above the married state, placing an anathema on anyone who would reject it. And so it, it was to live as the angels in heaven, Ursula and her companions died, defending it, preserving it. How far we are from valuing this prized virtue of virginity. How few are willing to preserve it, and even less are willing to die for it. How many young women are brought up today to believe that they need to violate their precious virginity in order to keep a man for a dating scene that is replete with exploitation and heartbreak. St. Ursula, having led her companions on their journey in the education of the faith and modeled for them the virtue of purity, she's the patron saint of female students and the formation of young girls in general. How necessary today this proper formation. How great is the need for the training and modesty which guards a young woman's chastity. A Saint Jacinta, the young seer of Fatima, warned in 1920 that many fashions will be introduced that will offend the Lord greatly and that those who love God should not follow these fashions. This warning came in 1920 and how much have fashions degraded since then. Those responsible for the rearing of young women in today's society should call upon St. Ursula to assist them in instilling the understanding of their true dignity and reflect that understanding in how they dress. Young women need to be made aware by those responsible for their formation the possibility of a vocation to the re religious life. Parents need to foster those vocations. Every religious is a spouse of Christ. Every religious is an eschatological sign of the mystical marriage of the church with the bridegroom of Christ. On the lips of Ursula and her companions, Hildegard places the words of all consecrated virgins and religious, saying, Now unto you we cry, our bridegroom and our consolation, who has redeemed us on the cross. For in your blood we are betrothed to you, your blood our wedding gift. For mortal husbands we refuse, choosing you instead, the Son of God. As for this heavenly husband, Ursula and her companions shed their blood, as the lyrics say, the voice of this blood resound before God's throne. Ursula and her companions desire to sit with him at heaven's marriage feast, and for that they raced along a different way, like a sapphire cloud that races across the clearest sky. The bridegroom came, Ursula was ready. The arrow acting as the key to heaven pierced the lock of her heart, and she went in to the marriage with him and the door was shut. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.